Oh my goodness. So we were just doing the pre-recording and we are actually having a blast. And I'm like, well, we got to hit record. I'm with Michael and Catherine Redmond. Both of you, welcome back on the podcast. Thank, Thank you very you. much. We're so happy to be back. So this quiet, unassuming couple in Chico, California. Uh, if you guys, uh, you guys might recognize their name. Go back. Uh, they were on at the in the fall of 2018. It's episode 238. So eternalleadership.com forward slash 238. It was one of our most popular episodes that we had in 2018. <laughs> it really was. And, and you guys told me a whole bunch of people heard it and reached out to you because, you know, they heard you and they heard your heart and your story and what you're doing. And so we're going to dig in today because uh, Michael and Catherine have just met, uh, wrote an amazing book called Fulfilled. And what's the, the subtitle, Catherine? It's The Passion and Provision Strategy for Building a Business with Profit, Purpose, and Legacy. We like you know, all three. All <laughs> And you know what? Why not? Why, Why not? Because you know what I think? Uh, you know, at the end of the day of working with people all over the world and different cultures and different industries, different backgrounds, I mean, there, there's like this universal truth that I've come to believe that everybody is actually at their heart a good person. Mm. They want to do meaningful work yep. and they want to have healthy relationships. Yep. And I think most people do want to make a difference in the world, especially when you can take care of the basics and I can start turning, you know, my arrows outward, maybe to even things around me, whether it's just my family or a neighbor. So, uh, you know, whether you might think it's small or big, I got to tell you, in my opinion, it's all big. So here's a little bit, Michael and Catherine, uh, man, you guys have just been this husband-wife team. You guys started your own marketing agency, Half a Bubble Out, which was yep. the title of our first episode, which people have <laughs> no idea what it's title. Me, which might be why so many people clicked on it. And then they're like, wow, I'm so glad I did, which I, I think is actually really cool. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys do marketing, business consulting. I know you've worked with some friends of mine. You guys do amazing years. And um, over the last 18 years, you've built and run two seven-figure companies, right? So they're... They come from a place of actually, you know, starting from scratch, bootstrapping and building something. And I think that's so important. A lot of us, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out here. There's a lot of people that are trying to build something from, from bootstrap. There's also a lot of people in our audience that, that are in companies, in organizations. They're mid-level, they're senior level, they're executives. And like, okay, yeah. what do we do to take what we have and make it gooder? <laughs> oh, right? Our culture, I, our people, yeah. our relationships, our leadership, our impact. Yeah. So like um, what's that, Michael? I like it. I like Gooder a lot. <laughs> yeah, Gooder. I'm going to have to trademark that at some point. Got to uh, get Gooder. And while you're at it, it should be funner getting Gooder. Yeah, get, getting Gooder should be funner. So <laughs> that's what this episode's about. I, I uh, They reached out to me and said, hey, we wrote this book. It's been a passion project for us because we wanted to pour everything in um, that we've learned on how to combine, mm. right? Our yeah. purpose, our passions, create a legacy and do that on the framework of actually building a successful, profitable company. Is that fair? That's super fair. Yep. Yeah. That's good too. That's, <laughs> That's gooder. Gooder. That's gooder. All right. So <laughs> let me ask gooder. you a question. So 
you guys have done so much and I know how busy you are. I know your schedule, even through coronavirus, because of the work you do and the quality of the work, you guys have actually gotten busier. There's another number of people with their, either their skill set or the industry they're in that during this period of time have gotten busier because you're helping other companies actually get through it, succeed, pivot, change. So with all that going on and your family, what made you guys sit down and say, okay, I got to take this journey and what's important to us and put it in a book. Well, you know, some important people in our lives because we value our community and we value, we value coaching and all that. So one of our friends and leadership coaches, um, as we checked it out with the rest of our community, they kept saying, you need to write a book. Mm-hmm. You need to take what you're doing. There's people who want to hear it. And, you know, when you first start thinking about that, you're like, nah, but then you go, wow, that's a lot of work. And then it became a really something that we feel like the Lord told us to do. It was a it was an act of obedience. Mm-hmm. We were excited about it, but nervous about it. And we said, we're going to go in. And we worked on it for two years and then realized that we had to pivot. get some help. We needed to get some help because <laughs> doing it on our own wasn't working really well. So we pivoted, got some help and created a book that we are absolutely proud of. And it's getting some great reviews. We hit uh, the bestseller list, seven or eight bestseller lists on Amazon when we launched in the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's amazing because you pour everything you have into writing a book and you're really not sure how it's going to be received. It's an act of obedience. So you just do it and then you just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. It's been, and it's been fun and people have described it in in ways that have really surprised me. Uh, We had one gal who leads to, she's a leader of entrepreneurs essentially. And she said, it's like a mini MBA. Yeah with a framework around it of um, just a perspective that's saying, okay, we want you to succeed, but we want you to be healthy. We want you to still have your marriage and still, you know, know the names of your kids and all those kinds of things. And so often entrepreneurs build businesses and think that they have to somehow choose between going after their passion and making money. And sometimes they choose the money and they just implode their lives along the way. And that's tragic. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that kind of is birthed underneath it, and I think we talked about this a couple of years ago when we were on your podcast too, we really actually care about people finding their unique contribution Mm -hmm. and being able to figure out how to financially sustain that. And when in the context of businesses, I mean, if you're starting a business and you're self-employed entrepreneur type person, when you have an 80 to 90% business failure rate, that's a lot of dreams that are falling apart. And sometimes people go into businesses they shouldn't be in. Sometimes there's a percentage of those people who just, they just shouldn't have been there or it was bad timing or the industry yeah. fell apart. But a lot of people, they're just not fully educated. They're, they run into three major problems that we see all the time that they're missing. And we said, okay, how do we help them fight these things? What are the three problems, Michael? The three biggest things that we realize that people are missing are a clear vision that has direction. So we loved what was going on in Good to Great and just really said, okay, this is a great model. You need to have your why, you need to have your core values, and you need to know where you're going. How do you, where is this thing, this star on the horizon? Where are you headed that maybe over the next 10 to 30 years that you don't even know if you can make it or not? And when you have clarity on that vision, then you've got the first of the three things because it's amazing how many people in business. And we do a lot of work with small businesses and then businesses have been around 40, 50 years. 
And you step in and you realize how organically they've grown and they've lost touch with their vision. Their vision is very muddy. And when you ask the leaders, they can't clearly articulate it anymore. And when you ask the staff, they, they're like, they have a bunch of different ideas that they've come up with to try and give themselves. So that's the first one. The second one is a holistic model. Yeah. So the second one is so many people go into business or are actually in businesses, believe it or not, that are running and functioning, but they don't actually have a business model. So there's elements of what it takes to run a successful business that they're not thinking about. And we, we kind of happened upon this because um, we come from a marketing background, obviously, and people would come to our office being like, I need a website. And we would begin to look at the whole organization because we were just kind of designed to think a little bit more holistically. And we'd be like, you don't just need a website. Like there are holes in multiple places in your business. Yeah. And out of that, we kind of grew this model that is like just six parts. So we're trying not to overwhelm everybody, but just six core things that we believe you need to have minimum competency in if you're going to succeed running a business. So that's the second thing is people just don't have a holistic view of business. They don't have a model that they're working with that helps remind them to think about other things outside of that particular skill set that they happen to bring to the table. It's amazing how many gaps and just minimum competencies are missing in people who are in business. And when we were younger, I was totally shocked that you could run into a company that was a $30 million a year company that had been around for 40 years and they were selling. Obviously they're selling, they have employees, they're successful at some level and everything else, way more than we were. And all of a sudden you start analyzing it and asking questions just to help further what you're supposed to be doing for them. And and you go, they don't know. There's gaps. There's so many places they could be tuned up and be more effective. And in the midst of that, leave a stronger legacy and have more of a clear purpose of what their role is and the organization's role. Mm-hmm. And then the third one. No, the well, third before one, that, when you say holistic, Catherine, what do you mean by holistic? So we created this six-part model that starts with vision in the center. And then we're doing education around leadership, which we're going to talk about in a minute. We are doing um, management, management, so management operation, operations, marketing, and, marketing sales. and sales, finance, and culture. So kind of those six core pieces, I mean, it, things like people who are running businesses who are scared to look at their financials, who don't understand cash flow versus you know, what's, you know, they kind of run their business like as long as I have money in the bank, I'm good. And they don't even understand their basic income statement, balance sheets. Like we're just talking the the simple stuff. Well, yeah, the basic stuff of even, you know, putting together a simple, what I do every, right? I look at my income, cost of goods sold, you know, SG&A. I mean, I'm just basic stuff and I compare it, you know, month to month. Even doing that, I sit down with a lot of business owners. They know how to read a balance sheet in a cash flow statement but relative to what? But anyway, yeah. Yeah. I love what you're talking about though. So when I hear that holistic, right? My leadership style, my leadership training and development affects my culture. How I'm looking at finances is gonna affect up. All these things all interact with each other. That's what, you're, exactly. that's what you're talking about is really building a healthy organization. Yeah, absolutely. And from any of those angles, right? You take the marketing side of things, and Peter Drucker famously said, marketing is the entire business seen from the customer's point of view, right? So even in that, if your culture sucks and you're making marketing promises that your people can't keep, 
you're in trouble. Like, you yeah, know, somebody talks to somebody on your team and they're just rude. Right. You know, uh, we're, or, we're the friendly people. And then the receptionist answers the phone and they sound like, you know, the old hag well, who drank too much coffee and smoked her whole life. It's or they're super happens. friendly and they're awesome. And they say, hey, we're sorry you had a challenge with that. And we'll have your, you know, we'll have Michael call you right back. Right. And then you, you never hear from Michael. <laughs> right. Not saying that you, I'm, I'm yeah. actually, this no, is a real I life example of something that, that happened to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we called in, we had a problem with something. They were awesome. They were amazing. We'll take care of that. This person's going to call you. They never called. Well, yep. and we love that whole idea of trust that Stephen M.R. Covey wrote about and how he really did a great job articulating the 13 behaviors of trust. And then from there, you look at competence and character. And it's amazing how many people in business haven't been taught even some simple basics like that, where they can discern, okay, what's not right here? Well, they're really nice people. I don't want to get rid of them. They're trying really hard. They have good intention. It's like, well, there's a competency issue here. Let's, so you either need to try and identify it and fix it, or this isn't the right fit for them because they're not able to reach competency or mm-hmm. vice versa. How many times have we heard somebody say, yeah, they're a complete jerk, but they're so good at what <laughs> they do, we can't get rid of them. And yet they're making your culture toxic. So that's a super fun thing. It's like, okay, what are we going to do there? It's like, why do we think we can trust somebody immensely because they're really good at something, but they have a a really problem with their integrity and character and everything else. Let me talk about that real quick because I call those folks divas. Ah, (laughs) I'll I'll never forget when I was first promoted to sales manager and I had somebody on my team, we had a team of um, 13 people. And this one person did about 40% of our numbers every quarter. Mm. And they were like a a bull in a china shop sometimes. But when I tolerated as a manager that bad behavior, what did that say to everybody else? Yep. So we finally got to the place where we had to set some boundaries. Mm. And I said, listen, if you go over this line again, you know, this is you choosing to leave the organization. Yeah. That's how I chose to approach it because I felt like that. I've never fired anybody. And now when that line was crossed, we had the conversation. He's like, well, you know, you'll never fire me. I'm doing half your number. And he knew that I got paid based on the entire team hitting our number. We were, you know, and I struggled with the decision. I, you know, I went home, said to my wife, I'm going to have to let somebody go. And we might take a 50% pay cut, just so you know. Mm. Now, here's the crazy thing. So that person actually crossed that line again. I said, listen, that, you know, this was what we talked about. So it's going to happen. Yep. It did. And the next quarter, though, because I did that, the rest of the team, we were doing about $25 million in sales a quarter. Yeah. The next quarter, our sales were at $18 million, So we missed our number from a gross sales standpoint. But do you know that our net profit increased? Mm-hmm. Our profit margins went up because everybody was doing so much better. But they all rallied. So I was afraid to take care of a challenge. But the other thing I didn't realize at the time is tolerating that. If you have somebody like that in your environment, what is that saying to everybody else? Yeah. I mean, you're sacrificing maybe short-term results for actually developing an extraordinary organization. And that's why I think it's so important for both a leadership and a management perspective to have things in place with a team Mm. You can actually have these conversations. We yeah. know what the standards of behavior are. This isn't from a discipline place, but this is a place of like, hey, what are our values and how do we live them out? How do we treat each other? And what are we going to do if we think somebody 
violates that. And if there's just some basics we can put in place that just facilitates that. You can even put them in place so that you actually hire better to begin with because you're hiring to your values and not just hiring competence, but actually hiring character as well as competence that aligns with your values. So people listening, uh, what you just said, Catherine, is so important. Boom. They just gave her a fist bump. We're on video. It's awesome. He's like, I'm going to keep her one more day. (laughs) Here's something fun you can do if you're a hiring manager. I like to hire and have multiple interviews. Yeah. When we really get in touch with our values as a team, it could be, hey, we're encouraging. We give feedback with, you know, the spirit of lifting people up and making them better, right? We're going to give the truth and love, like, or whatever it is, right? Whatever your values are. Then what you can do is actually come up and brainstorm as the folks that are doing the interviewing, what are questions that would allow you to maybe focus on a value in a conversation, ask questions around that. What I have seen just working with so many leaders right now, these kids coming out of college or, you know, there's so much information out there. They have studied and they know how to answer all the common interview questions. So So unless you learn and figure out how to change it up so you can actually really understand Mm -hmm. because, you know, you want to do your best job at the front end of hiring somebody and then onboarding them correctly. Because also if you hired them under a set of expectations and values and then six months into it, they realize, yeah, "Yeah, not so much. (laughs) They're going to be quickly moved into the engaged or actively, I mean, disengaged or, actively disengage category very quickly. Yeah. And you're doing that to yourself. Yeah. Well, and we even have this um, tool that if somebody gets the book, um, we'll give them access to that, that helps you craft a really different type of job description that helps attract your tribe essentially. So there's just, you know, some fun stuff around hiring and that's all in the management operations section. So yeah. So holistic is the second thing. Number three Um, was? Number three is just actively growing Mm -hmm. as a leader. It's amazing. And you know this. I mean, this This is your shtick. We're preaching to the choir here, but, (laughs) and to your audience, it's probably the choir too. But this is so important for people to go, okay, how do I assess where I am? How do I think about uh, having a growing mindset and then actually have a plan where I can grow as a leader? And and you see this. So a friend of ours, an old mentor, told us a long time ago, I only pick clients that have a long shadow is what he said. Mm -hmm. And that was his metaphor for saying, I want them to be mature leaders because a company will never grow beyond the length of the leader's shadow. And it may bounce ahead. You may get this great opportunity, but it's amazing how many times a company can grow beyond a leader. Then the company shrinks back because of sabotage and everything else going on with the leadership. If you have this vision, if you have a, an ability to look at a business model and develop the competencies, and then your focus is growing as a leader and maturing, then you have a really good chance of being successful and surviving as a business, but not only surviving, but thriving and creating a company that people are actively engaged. They love it. They enjoy working there. They, you're beating the numbers and you're actually thinking, wow, life is good because I enjoy my work and it's purposeful. Yeah. And that's the whole goal because there's too many people who aren't seeing that life. And that's quite frankly, I think it's a tragedy. Yeah. I agree. Well, you know, you guys, you know, 18 years in business, there's some bigs ups and downs. I want to throw out two scenarios and maybe dig into these, right? If I'm getting your book and I'm reading through it. Yep. Okay. The first one is 
things are rocking, you're busy, you're profitable, you're making the income that you want, totally burned out. And the thought of going to work in on Monday is like, like you literally almost feel, I remember days when I was kind of at that place professionally, but on Monday night, I, I, I almost felt like sick to my stomach because I knew how much work the week was going to entail. Yeah. And the thought of getting through Friday was almost overwhelming. So my, my mindset was I'm going to get through Monday. Yeah. Monday, I'm going to gear up and I'm going to get through Tuesday. And I just existed there mm-hmm. for years because I didn't think I had an option. And I got to tell you, it was this grind. And I was actually just talking to somebody this morning. He's owned his company for 24 years. Mm. And he's like, man, I, I got to tell you, I just, I loved building an organization and we've built it and we're about as big as I want us to be. And things are going great even in this industry now, but I'm absolutely unfulfilled. I'm the opposite of fulfilled. Yeah. And I don't know what's next. Do I sell it? Do I get rid of it? Do I go do something totally different? That seems like incredibly financially risky. Mm. And on the other end of the spectrum is I've also been in places where I'm actually doing stuff I love. It lights me up. I can't wait to get to work, but I am not meeting my basic needs. And I'm like, it's like this, this barbell. A lot of people believe that it is either one or the other. Yeah. You don't get to have both. And we've proven that you can have both. We have friends and community and business leaders. I mean, you're one of them. I mean, we, we've witnessed it so far to for well, us in this book is to be able to say, yeah, hey, we've done it's it. Doable. Here's the testimony, but we've seen it over and over again. You can do it because it is yeah. possible. And like you, John, we've experienced both sides of that equation, right? So we went early on. I mean, when we were, you know, I had given up a six-figure income to join Michael. And I mean, we can yeah. remember moments and we share this in the book where like people were delivering groceries to our doorstep. Like we didn't know how we were going to make it. We just knew that we, we were supposed to. So we, we experienced that in the early building phase when, when there was just an obedience to start this company and, and it just took some time. But then the first line of our book is we didn't realize how bad it could get until the money started pouring in. And we experienced the other piece of that that you're describing where we grew 400% in a period of 18 months. And so there's the, all of a sudden, like this is the dream. You've got cash flow out the yin yang after, you know, after a season of, building and struggling and suddenly you hit something and it's the mother load and we grew 400%. And I remember vividly driving into the parking lot on a Monday morning and being like, I do not want to go to work. I can't, I, we built this company and I don't want to, I don't want to cross the threshold. And it is really out of kind of experiencing both of those, mm-hmm. that this whole concept of there's got to be a way mm-hmm. to have both passion and provision, right? To not just have an expensive hobby, that I'm not making any money at, but I love, but to be able to actually make a contribution, create profit, purpose, and legacy. And we pull that together in this concept we call passion and provision because both sides matter so much. And when it comes to, you know, thinking about just even walking this out with Jesus, it's like, okay, this is a kind of a John 10, 10 thing, right? Mm-hmm. I came that you would have life and you would have it to the full. Mm. You would have it abundantly. Okay, well, abundant life, doesn't look like me sucking swamp water, hating everything I do, being miserable. You know, I, I don't buy that. So that day that you were looking at the building and didn't want to cross the threshold, how would you have described where you were? Was it overwhelm, burnout? Was it something 
else? Well, yeah, there was, uh, we were overwhelmed and burned out for sure. Third, I mean, working, stage burnout you know, sure. working super, super long hours. Um, we had hired poorly in the middle of it because, so we, we hadn't really sort of articulated and figured out our values. We were just growing so fast that we, we didn't hire well. So both for the fact that the, our Which style compounds leader, the challenges. Compounds. Yeah. So relationally, we're Absolutely. struggling in the office. There's discord. There's people frustrated. There's conflict. So yep. Yeah. So we're exhausted. We've hired poorly. We had allowed clients to become part of our portfolio that were just crummy. Like they just were the people who thought they could call you at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon when you're in the Costco parking lot and chew you out for what they think isn't working. And you're like, I have a life. Why am I letting you invade my life? So, so that season, it was like all of those things. And it was really coming out of that, it, the niche that we had discovered kind of began to fall off. And when sort of two years or so cleared, we, we realized that we'd actually, you know, if, if we say it without all the detail behind it, we grew 200%. <laughs> In, in three years, we just did it by growing 400% and then dropping 50%. So it was a pretty rough road. But out of that, we really were like, okay, we have to go back to the basics. Like, we, I need to like what we're doing. I can't give our lives to something that is going to make us miserable. So that was reconnecting to that vision. Yeah. And then in the middle of it, Michael was reading The Coming Jobs War, which was the book by Jim Clifton, mm -hmm. Gallup poll. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he's reading that book and having a couple of serious epiphanies that impacted the why of this book. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, in that book, the biggest thing that they did, they did a survey for your listeners because you probably have read the book. It came out in 2010. And the core of it at the end of the book was they did a survey around the world and the biggest concern for people in the world was a good job. And that good job had steady pay and it was something that was rewarding. It was a place where they could contribute. They felt engaged. We, ha we get all those and a lot of those engagements, disengagements and actively disengaged from the Gallup organization. And we were flying home to visit her mom in England. And before we hit the, you know, we landed in Dublin to do a week there. And before we hit the tarmac in Dublin, I had read most of the book and I had been deeply emotionally convicted, not for changing our own company because things were doing, we were doing well, things were growing. We were- We'd gotten better. We had gotten better. We were, we, our leadership was growing. Our, our organization was healthy and moving in the right direction. But I was so compelled for so many people who couldn't find their purpose in life and couldn't find work that met their basic living needs mm -hmm. and enough to grow. Because for us, the word provision meant you're going to have your basic needs met and there's going to be extra left over so you can grow towards the dreams of tomorrow. So that provision wasn't there for so many people around the world. And I could just imagine so many of the entrepreneurs and then the business failure rate and how few people were starting businesses and all that. I'm like, there's no reason for this to be so high. There's got to be some good things that we can do. And it became a really a moment in York, England, where uh, I was sitting on the steps of, of one of the big cathedrals of Europe and just said, okay, I can remember writing my journal. We've got to change this. I want to change this. How do we help put some inspiration and hope back in people's lives that are starting businesses? And ultimately, I think this is really what came out of writing the book. If we can help leaders 
run companies, whether they're the owner operator of an entrepreneur or they're those leaders within larger organizations, like you were talking about, if we can help them figure out their purpose in place and create this healthy organization that we call a passion provision organization, and then they can create passion and provision jobs for the people that work for them, then that changes things significantly. But the thing that was the cherry on top is they go home to their families and those kids that they have are going to grow up watching what it looks like to have modeled a parent who loves their work, who it provides for their family, and this ideal situation of what we believe Christ came for. And so it gets to pour out of that. And all of a sudden you go, okay, this was worth pouring the next 20 to 30 years of our life into this mission of how do we help? And then how do we improve how effective and efficient we can of helping all these business leaders out there build a holistic competencies and then cheer them on? Yeah. Well, and I love that you guys took the time to put that in the book. That is so needed right now because I, I think everybody deserves honestly, to work at a place mm. where they do, right? Where they're, they're doing meaningful work, which means they're connected to the work not only the company does, but they've also gotten in touch. You're talking about, right? That self-awareness of who I am. What's my own personal vision, mission, and purpose? And does that line up with the work mm-hmm. that yeah. I'm doing? I mean, exactly. I think as you know, people of us that are employees, we should be asking questions at the, in an interview, now, I might need it. There's been times in my life I just needed a job. I needed a paycheck. I needed an income. Now, that happens. Yeah, sure. But I also want to go into that job saying, okay, this is going to help me build some kind of skill for what's next for, for what's all. But you get those things in alignment. And you, you know, as a leader, you create a culture where people have good relationships, mm-hmm. right? Conflict becomes actually a healthy thing that maybe even drives engagement and innovation because there's trust. Uh, and you mentioned yeah. also the book Speed of Trust by Covey. Yeah. I'd recommend. Perfect. We recommend that to everyone. You should read everyone. Fulfilled. Fulfilled. And then yeah. read Trust. <laughs> you put those two together, right? It's, it's powerful. It's probably something by John Ramstead that's coming out. That, you know, yeah, my book's coming out uh, in a few months. It's called On <laughs> Purpose. No, I do with have purpose. time before then, so don't get derailed. Just go for Fulfilled and Speed of Trust. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got six months till mine comes out. So. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you guys can find the book at Amazon. What's your guys' website? Half a bubble out? Yeah, but for this, I would send them to fulfilledthebook.com. Yeah. Fulfilledthebook.com. So everybody head there. Seriously, because yeah. it's, it's, it's just a great playbook on actually how to do some of these things. That is the challenge, and I know this is the approach you guys wrote it from, is it's not just information or theory or ideas. It's actually practical and, you know, it's something I can go take and apply and go do, which is important because yeah. I we like to – wanted both. Yeah, sure. if I'm stuck, you know, don't just – let's just, just talk about my stuckness. You know, get, yeah. let's, let's actually figure out, a, you know, that what's that next small step? I'm learning a whole new lexicon today. Gooder stuckness, and stuckness. And this is great. <laughs> I'm going to walk away with this with so many jewels. I have a Ph.D., in nothing. Um. <laughs> we would say you are eloquent at seussing, just which is making up words. You're a seusser. Oh, good. I'm a seusser. I like that. Fulfilledthebook.com. Uh, Michael and Catherine Redman, also the work you guys do with business consulting, marketing, branding. If you guys are interested in that, I really would encourage you guys to talk to Michael and Catherine, half a bubble out. I know some people at the last 
podcast, heard about you guys, worked with you. It was transformative literally for their businesses mm. and their life. Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, as we kind of wrap up, what are some final thoughts that you guys would like to leave with everybody listening? I'd like to, if anybody's out there and they're wondering, should I ever be pursuing this? Should, is this something that can happen? I'm, you're discouraged, you're frustrated, and you're wondering, is there any hope out of this situation? And you're in some form of leadership of a company or you're running your own company, especially in this climate and this time in life, you want to know, you know, how do you build a company or how do you keep it going and, and survive? This is a good book that can give you an idea and some opportunities to maybe strengthen it up and do it. And then there's another group of folks that I really want to speak to this. You know, at the core of who you are, you've been either needing to start a company or you've been needing to think about going to the next level of working on creating a holistic company. You know, there's things you need to do, but that something's been holding you back. Maybe you've been afraid. Maybe you've just been overwhelmed. I want to encourage you just get the book. We are not getting rich with you buying the book. In fact, it's half off at fulfillthebook.com. We're really not getting rich. Well, that's actually true. My first book is coming out and I realized that even if I sold a million books, I wouldn't get rich. No. No, not even close. No, this I, is really getting, to help you do that. It's, so a, folks, it's a labor of love to really serve the people that you are just passionate about serving is really is yeah. what writing a book's about. So yes. I would suggest they go get that book because I want to give you hope. And I think this book is going to speak some hope into you on as you're making certain decisions moving forward. And I think it'd be great if you want to build your company and make it more resilient for the future and surprise events like we're in, I think we can help you with that too. One of the things that's been fun to see the feedback from people is they say what you said, John. It's, it is um, definitely got a lot of practical stuff in it. Like there is stuff you can do. It's not just a theory book, but it is based on a philosophy. <laughs> of saying, you know what, there is more to life. And passion and provision really is the grid that we want people to be thinking about and building through. So there is a lot of desire to create that level of hope, to energize people, to remind them that this is possible, um, and then to begin to transform their companies or start one with a really good foundation. Yeah. And I think maybe to summarize is what you said earlier, Catherine, right? Think of John 10, 10. Christ mm -hmm. came to give us life so that it may live it to a full. So think about this is 10 out of 10 would be a full life, fully alive. Just like every day you're waking up regardless of external uh, circumstances and you're just on fire. Mm -hmm. Number one, you're, you're barely hanging on. Mm. So where would you be on that scale, that one to 10 scale? And I'm kind of a simple guy. So my big thought is, what if it's a, just a plus one? Let's say mm. I'm a five. Mm. And what would a plus one even look like? How would I do that? How would I know I'm there? And if I just went up one little notch on that scale, what do you think that might do for me and change for me in my life, my relationship, my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my business, what I'm trying to do in the world? And then, you know, and don't think about, hey, how do I get from a five to a 10? For me, that was, that's too big of a gap to close. No. But I could think of small steps and then figure out what is the right thing to do in the right way at the right time. And honestly, with all my experience and stuff I've done, I still reach out to coaches and advisors and consultants and friends and say, I need help with that. I mean, it is a daily thing. So I, I really appreciate what you guys have done and put out there. And I just love to hear from people and say, okay, what was your plus one? 
That would be yeah, great. Be awesome. And what is your just your next step you're going to take towards just your own plus one? That's awesome. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. If you hear from people, you you need to tell us because that would be amazing. We'll All right. Notes and read. <laughs> Thank All you right, so you much. You guys rock. Keep knocking them alive. Yeah. You too. <laughs> I love knocking them alive. <laughs>